0: multiply more followers of Jesus in the local church. Hope everybody is doing well today. I've got one of my good friends on the podcast from back in the day. I feel like it's a family reunion here on the podcast today because it's been it's been good to even chat before we have started recording. Got my good friend, Joe Bridgman on the podcast. And as I was trying to type your name, I think I always want to include an E in your name yeah, every yeah. time I try to type it. And I might I'll even have it in my phone like that, but I'm not so sure I'll We won't. It. I won't do it. So, Joe, I how's it going, really man?
1: Unloved. Hey, good man. I'm doing
0: well. And I just found out before we got on that you have a podcast. And so I want to give a plug to your podcast. What is the name of your podcast?
1: It's called highways and hedges. Highways uh, from the passage when Jesus sends the laborers out into the highways and hedges to gather people from the, um, yeah, from the highways and hedges for his banquet. Well, there you go. What are topics that you talk about on your podcast? It's, all, it's a podcast for the ministry I've started in our region, and so the main thing we're trying to focus on is how to uh, support churches in small towns and rural communities. So we just try to think of different topics that relate to that. And huh. the reason why I don't promote it and the reason why I didn't want you to talk about it is because my friend actually made me do it. He's oh, a way man. into content production. So Will Anderson is the co-host with me and he does a great <laughs> job uh, coming up with questions to help me think about okay. uh, this ministry.
0: Okay, well, cool, man. Yeah, I uh, I got into the podcast world because of COVID. I felt like I had to put content out on you know the airways because people were sitting at home. So I felt like I had to get content out there and I yeah. feel like that's a perfect segue too, for you, because this is what we're gonna talk about. We're talking about you and your ministry. And so maybe I'll have to tune into your podcast too. Maybe I'll have to subscribe and listen to it. Um, <laughs> everybody's looking for more podcasts, right? Like that's what yeah, we got do right. podcast central, but, um, like we always do on our podcast, this is always designed to encourage you. So if you're driving in the car right now, if you're on your way to work, if you're on a run for you, crazy people who run, um, <laughs> like Joe and myself try to run Joe's a lot. Probably faster than I am, but uh, wherever you're listening that. to, uh, hopefully, this will encourage you to be a part of the discipleship that is happening in your church, whether you're in our church yeah. or Joe's church, or wherever around the country. So grateful that we can do this today. So, uh, like I said, we're going to talk about Joe Bridgman's ministry that he's got going on. He probably wouldn't say it like that. He would say it's Jesus Christ's ministry because he is the holy, blameless person that he is, but um, (laughs) the ministry that he is currently serving in. And so, Joe, let's just throw it your way. I'm just, let's just open it up just simply like, what is it? What's it called? And how would you explain it in, you know, an elevator pitch type of thing?
1: Yeah, it's called agros. Um, that's coming from Matthew thirteen forty four, where Jesus says, "The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field." And so, the the Greek word for field is agros, and I really wanted that word to be what keeps my focus on what we're trying to do in this ministry is recognize that when Christ's kingdom comes to earth, it's hidden in something that looks really ordinary. It doesn't look sensational or dramatic. It wouldn't impress us with what Mm -hmm. we can see with our eyes, but when the eyes of faith see it, it's a treasure we'd sell everything we have for. Um, And I think that it's losing that perspective that has made small town churches and country churches, kind of a victim of, um, Western drive for material success and, um, uh, recognition and achievement and fame, those kind of things. And we've missed, we we started to lose sight of when the kingdom comes to earth, it can look like a dusty little church in the middle of nowhere sitting Mm. in a small Sunday school class, getting taught by your grandma stories from scripture that God's kingdom has come to earth through things that look really ordinary like that. And so to try to accomplish that, I'm like you, Adam, I'm really set on the mission of God is carried out through local churches. It's not um, through, I, I, I'm, I, I'm thankful for the ways I've been blessed through parachurch organizations, but I really want to make um, local churches stronger. And so I'm trying to focus on finding training and supporting men to be pastors in small town churches in Northeast Kansas and Northwest Missouri. So that's my elevator speech no, for AdRoss.
0: No, that's good. Yeah. And I don't think I mentioned this, but Joe and I went to seminary together. That's how we actually, we went to undergrad mm-hmm. together, which is funny to think about. Yeah, it's really right. the first time I met you was in my undergrad uh, in St. Mm-hmm. Joseph, Missouri. And so then we, we, I don't even, I don't even think we realized we were going to go to seminary together until it was like, we were there, um, which is funny to think about. Uh, But yeah, I've always appreciated your friendship and your, the the way that you sharpened me, especially when we were in seminary was, man, it was, it was a sweet time. And so being able to talk about kind of where we're at ministry, me being church planter, you know, person in West Moines, and you in, in Atchison, which is. Is that correct? That's where it's that's right. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Good. Atchison. Got it. Uh, which is in Kansas, which if you didn't know, I am a Kansas person, people on the podcast, you probably know that because of how much I talk about the chiefs on this podcast. But, um, so you're in Atchison. So Atchison, give me a, a frame of mind of like how big Atchison is. I mean, it's not, it's not terribly uh, big, right? No,
1: 10,000 people. Yeah. Um, I think, probably 30 or 40 years ago, it was about 50,000. So it's a small town that feels like it wants to be bigger. Yeah, Like it's, it's definitely feeling, the, 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 the um, just as it crumbles and shrinks there, there's an attempt to be bigger than we are. We mm. have a college in town and those kind of things. So you'd come and there'd be parts of the town that might feel like a bigger town, but yeah. population wise, we're, we're shrinking. Uh, yeah, so there's about, 10,000 people on the Atchison sign as you mm. come to town.
0: Yeah. Well, and there's, there's some good, <laughs> um, man, just, yeah, ties to the gospel there of just how you can come in and, and, you know, revitalize and, you know, uh, restore of just how, like, even the, the, the metaphor we can see of just how, you know, we're like that we're a depleting people We're you know, we're famished and how the gospel in Christ comes into our lives and restores us and, you know, reconciles yeah. us. And I think yeah. there's a lot of beauty in really poor, bad places. You know, people might look on the outside, like you have been saying, when you're talking about your ministry, that like, there's nothing flashy about this town, but Jesus loves this town. Yeah. Um, and I've had a good friend of mine on the other side of Iowa, really kind of opened my eyes to that. of just, towns that no one wants to go to. And, but Jesus loves those towns because yeah. people are in these towns. Image bearers are in this town. So let's talk a little bit more of that. And just like, why, like, how did you get to this desire? Maybe you could call it desire passion. We don't want to be too uh, cliche with the word passion. Um, but how did you get this passion to, to, to reach out to rural pastors? Like, where did that come from? Why do you think because in seminary, man, you were gung ho. Let's get to the pastor. Like, let's start preaching. Let's do our thing. Let's get involved in church. And now you kind of have made this mental switch after you got back from overseas. So, kind of share a little bit how you maybe gained that passion for the rural pastor.
1: Yeah, I think it was. Um, it's definitely related to my own discipleship and trying to, you know, seeking to follow Christ more and more. Um, because I, late in high school, you really just like, I was really influenced by, um, John Piper and his, uh, call not to waste your life. And so I was just feeling the pressure. How do I live a life not wasted? And I think without realizing it had, um, made that a very selfish pursuit that I had kind of decided I'm going to make my life count compared to all these other hoodlums who are living their life for money or other things. I'm going to live my life for something that matters and make much of myself. And so I wanted to be a Jim Elliot. My Twitter handle in high school was Aspiring Martyr. I wanted to be killed for the faith. I was like I took my I took myself really seriously. <laughs> I was a big deal. Anyway, what you when you're trying to make yourself matter in a worldly way, you need something to be measurable. It needs to be something that you can prove matters. And for me, that meant, um, overseas missions. I thought, you know what, the way I can prove that my life matters is if I bring the gospel to an unreached people group, I wanted to be able to, um, yeah, be able to say that my life counted because either I took the gospel there and they killed me like Jim Elliott got killed. Um, or, you know, that I actually helped start a church among a people group, uh, in a language that had never praised the name of Jesus before. And obviously we we know like we are a mix of saint and sinner, And so I, I, I believe I was, uh, regenerate at the time actually following Christ. So there's probably good desires in that as well at the time, but looking back now, I'm seeing there were a lot of things that were also just selfish and sinful in that pursuit. Anyway, I am getting to your question. So as I tried to find ministry opportunities that gave me that sense of, um, Purpose and uh, meaning. The last place that was ever going to come on my mind was the church where I grew up in. Mm. Church of, uh, it was a town of 300 people in north central Missouri, tiny little Baptist church there. <laughs> And that was just, that's in my mind, that was like, that's a dead end. There's no way my life would matter or be significant if I was going there. And what I'm saying is it never even came up on the radar. It's never like I thought of it in those terms. It was Mm. just more like that never came across my mind until uh, my grandpa passed away right before we left Mm. to go overseas. And I remember my grandma saying, um, I don't even know if the man who buries your grandpa is going to know him. Mm because these small town churches cannot keep a pastor for more than three years. A guy comes there kind of treats it like a career step It's two or three years of getting his uh, sea legs under him, figures out how to preach and then sends his resume to a bigger church and leaves. And so small town church then tries to find a new guy and hires a new inexperienced guy. And they start the process over and they kind of just bought into that mentality. We're just a place where pastors come to get trained. We don't expect someone to come here. And give themselves to us for their whole life unless the Lord calls them elsewhere. And that my grandma saying that, I don't know if it was the first time, but it certainly struck me as like, wow, why are these, why is that the expectation? And that was just, the Lord kept that rolling through my mind while we were overseas. I was doing a church planting internship overseas for two years. And my desire only grew during that time um, to just want to serve for the glory of christ to serve because i want to honor him and started seeing in my own heart how i needed to do something that mattered and i could prove it mattered for my own glory Mm. um and that's that's that is not a christian motive that is Mm. not that's not the fruit of the gospel in my life so when when we came back, I'd already felt like this burden had grown to the point where I thought I'm going to give a shot at starting a ministry now that's, that's focused on treasuring what the world would never treasure, Mm. which is the witness of the gospel in places that according to no measurement will matter. No visible measurement will make in kansas matter no i've I just recently run into a community of people they're no longer a township but there's a hundred about a hundred people living in this area mm. where there used to be a city and the church there's about to close its doors really struggling to get a pastor Gosh. and so just think like i want to give my energy and effort to saying if christ cares about it that's all that we need that's what makes it significant it, it's mm. not made significant because i'm reaching a demographic that's never been reached before. It's not significant because I have a certain number of people coming to my services. I just want to honor Christ. And so want to honor those places. Again, going back to that verse that really drew my attention to this, Mm. it's worth selling all that you have to buy the treasure hidden in the field. And so if that treasure is literally out in a cornfield, that's worth a man giving up all of his career opportunities and loving that tiny group of sheep until Christ comes back because it's, it's supposed to only be for his glory. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of the, why I don't, I probably explain it different every time I say it, but (laughs) that's what the Lord had already been leading me to see this Mm -hmm. in my own heart that would keep me away from those communities. And because of that felt like I really now want to, um, honor the men who I would have neglected and overlooked before where my heart was before. I would have dismissed them as you're not really doing ministry that matters. You're wasting your life. I now see the error of those ways. I really want to honor and support those men and train more men to do what they're doing. Yeah.
0: No, I think that's great, man. I think... (laughs) You've had, and on a much grander scale, something that, you know, I've felt at least the last two years just being in Iowa, you know, Iowa is majority rural, um, very similar to the state of Kansas. Um, You know, when people think about Kansas, you know, we always get the joke of, you know, Dorothy and just a bunch of rural Mm -hmm. towns and flat and reality, it's true. We can't neglect it. But I grew up in, you know, (laughs) in a 300,000 person city essentially in county as Johnson County in Kansas. And so I didn't feel it. But, but man, you go out, to, you, you leave Johnson County and you get those towns. And yeah. I think it's something that um, speaking from a perspective of a city person, I would always say I'm a city boy just because of the way I grew up is that we just have a disdain for rural towns. You think they're just backwoods, you know, hicks and they don't, we, how could we ever relate to you? And, and so you think it's, you definitely think it's beneath you for sure. And I think we not only have people outside of those communities bought into that, but I think even more sadly, it's the people in the community that have bought into it as well. And so there's just like this, sadness if you can think you know and you see this probably on a weekly basis of just they just don't feel like they've got anything worth you know you know anything but the fact that what you're saying and that's what i love is that there's value there because there's image bearers there and there's value there because you know jesus loves them and wants a church to flourish in that in that location and Man, even just in you saying that just kind of excites me to think like, what would it look like even just to have one solid church in these rural communities that was thriving? and was discipling and we don't think about it like that because we, we want to get to the church that's 500 people. Right. But these town's don't got 500 people. So we're like, well, if I want my church to be 500 people, if that's the metric, then I can't go to said, you know, I can't go to Kansas. Right. Yeah. Because there's not even 500 people there. And so, um, and so I think, I think that's part of it. And yeah. And I think it starts with education, which I think is a big piece of what you're doing and I think is encouraging. I don't even know if this is a piece of your ministry, but I think it would even help some in some sense, you know, for you to educate city pastors on how they can continue to send out laborers into the field. Right. Like I think about that with another guy that's just pretty close to us. He's in a more rural town is growing, but and we think like, what would it look like for us to send people into a community that's rural? So anyways, I'm getting off onto a tangent because that's what I do on my podcast. I get that's
1: off into good. tangent. Is um, it called tangent? Is that
0: the name? It should be. That? It should tangent be totally church. called. That. Yeah. Random thoughts <laughs> with Adam is what it's called essentially. Um, no. And so, so yeah, tell me, so tell me how it functions. So you have this ministry, Agros. Uh How does it function within the local church? And because you and I both are local church guys, you kind of hinted at it a little bit. So, how does it function with your specific local church and then, and then with others as well, because obviously you're interacting with a lot of other churches. So how would you say you best serve the local church?
1: Um, our right now, my ministry legally is just, um, a branch of our church's ministry. So I'm just the director of Agra at Riverbend Bible church. It's not set up separate from that. I think eventually it will be just because our church is not really in a position to manage all of the the legal aspects and those kind of things. They graciously allowed me to do this so I could raise funds for it. But eventually it'll probably be set up as a separate ministry. However, I want it to still, like you said, be a service to local churches. And so right now, the elders of my church are the board of directors. Uh, I'm under their oversight for what I'm seeking to accomplish. Um, One of the ways I keep it connected to local churches is by trying to meet the pastors of churches in our region, Mm -hmm. build relationships with them. Um, And I spent when we came back last fall, a lot of my time was just meeting pastors and not saying, hey, I've got this new ministry. But asking them, do you see the problems I see? And how would you fix that? Mm -hmm. If you had 40 hours a week to change that, what would you do? Um, and so I've been trying to seek the wisdom of those men. Um, and then I just, what's tricky, um, is that a lot of these, I shouldn't say a lot, but some of the churches I've run into, they're either lacking leadership or they might, maybe they're not a healthy church. Like maybe they've kind of got off track. Mm -hmm. And so finding ways to connect with them and rely on them to recommend men for ministry and stuff it's challenging because some of them have probably not ever thought about recommending men for ministry, maybe have not even really seriously looked at the biblical passages about what a pastor ought to be. And so don't even, wouldn't even know where to start when I say like, I want you to recommend men for the ministry. So, um, I I want it to remain under a church, a a local church's oversight, but um, there are a lot of situations in which I'm not sure those churches are prepared, or like that they've that they've borne that responsibility before. You know, a lot of our churches I think have re- relied on seminaries or Bible colleges to send them pastors, and so have kind of become pretty passive in in what to look for in a pastor. So. Um, but I do think, again, the reason why I'm focusing on pastors and not just trying to create a, a group of ministers who, you know, do their own thing separate from the churches, because I, I treasure what the local church is doing. I want um, I want to encourage young men who have a love for Christ and a passion for the word to do that in a small local church where they're from. Um, and just yeah, use what Christ has given us to advance his gospel. So I think just by the nature of wanting to train pastors is part of what keeps me tied to local churches, right? Is how yeah. I'm trying to serve them. Oh, that's good.
0: Yeah. So how would you say, cause it almost, I think if you didn't know, maybe your heartbeat and some of the ins and outs of it, like you can almost look at it and like, maybe you've gotten this from rural pastors, like, well, aren't you just a seminary type a thing like going on? Is, is that not what you're doing? Is it a network? Like, how would you classify it in our, uh, how do I would say it in our vein of church <laughs> being SBC, And all? like, how would you describe it? Is it a network? Is it a denomination? Is it a seminary? Is it a school? Is it a training network? Like how, like even putting it in those terms, like how would, you know, have people seen it like that?
1: Yeah, it's hard to get. So I'll try to say it big picture. I think it's a a network is what I'd like to create a network in Northeast Kansas and Northwest Missouri of churches who take the gospel seriously and the advance of the gospel in small places seriously. And I'm wanting to create opportunities for fellowship between them. And I think if we're taking the advance of the gospel seriously of, uh, a fruit of that fellowship will be the training of men to shepherd those churches too often fellowship becomes, um, uh, disconnected from the advance of the gospel. And so we're, we're getting together Mm -hmm. for good things like singing and encouragement and friendships, and just being around a big group of Christians can, you know, strengthen your faith. And we want those things. Those are great. But then we're not thinking about ambitiously about the spread of the gospel into these small places. And so our fellowship, when we gather, doesn't include any training elements, no real serious. Um, let's make sure that people in this fellowship are going to be matured and given skills and tools that they need to be effective ministers of the gospel when they go back. And so it is, I think what I want it to be is an association of churches. Um, I haven't really developed that much. Like what would be? I I don't have like a theological statement for us yet. Those kind of things Uh, right now, I'm just building it through personal relationships, but I want it uh, eventually to be a group of churches who just see, we have the responsibility of our church's maturity rests on us more than anyone else. And the responsibility of the spread of the gospel in our little region rests on us more than anyone else. Let's take that seriously because it's a call from Christ. And I I hope that what it, what it ends up meaning is we do keep fellowship as a large part of what we're doing, but we see that training has to be a part of that if we're taking, um, taking that advance of the gospel seriously. Mm. So yeah, that's that's how I, I, I do want it to be a fellowship. I think another thing you were just saying, you know, if guys like are like, aren't you just basically a traveling seminary? <laughs> yeah. um, one thing I, I think we have got a little uh, um, nearsighted about in training pastors for ministry is making extra biblical requirements a part of it um, and making that more important than the biblical requirements. So mm. I, I think... God blessed you and I both a lot through our experience at seminary. So I'm not speaking poorly of that, speaking down about that, but I do not think you have to be academically inclined to be a pastor according to scripture. And so one of the things I'm trying to make this fellowship and this training do is provide training that seminaries are not equipped to do. Seminaries are not really equipped to go out and do little gatherings of five to 10 pastors at a time and train them. Seminaries are not really equipped to just do really practical hands-on training. Seminaries are great at academic abstract training. Go listen to lectures, write papers, listen, you know, those kind of things. But getting a group of men together who know one another and are going to practice this skill together and let the men their mentoring be shaped by that process too. Local churches are the best ones. They're, they're most equipped to do that. They already have the relationships and the trust built to make that happen. Um, And it means that men who are not ever going to go listen to four hours of lecture and then write a 16 page paper on it can still get faithful equipping to pastor a church where they're at. And so that's, that's my hope is I'm not really trying to just provide what a seminary does in local places. I'm actually trying to change the means by which we're training so that we'll, we'll capture some of those men who for whatever reason, will never go the traditional route of Bible college or seminary for their mm. training. Yeah.
0: And we will pick up this conversation next time on the Multiply Church podcast. But I hope it has encouraged you so far to just gain a little bit more insight into Joe's story and also what it's like to try to train pastors. <laughs> and ministry leaders for the work of ministry in a rural setting. And so we'll hop back into the conversation next week on the Multi Church podcast. But I think one application point out of all this is just to realize the, the responsibility that we have in the local church to raise up leaders, to equip men and women for the work of ministry. And I think we should take that seriously. I'm so excited that Joe is doing that. So we'll hop back in next week. But uh, until then, we pray and hope that, that God would continue to stir in you his grace and his peace and you would go out to multiply more disciples wherever you're at in the local church all right guys we'll check you out next week